At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. With myself, Greg Eames Peterson, now part of the Beast of Family Podcast. We've got a tremendous podcast for you. It's another conference preview edition. We're taking a look at the SOCON, a SOCON conference that figures to be very, very interesting this year. We saw Furman win a game in the NCAA tournament last year, so... How about if we dive in by taking a look at the styles and betting trends of the SoCon in segment number one. Segment number two, this man is joining me for my SoCon Conference Preview Edition each of the last few years, and we've got him back. Blake Lovell, he does great work over at Southeastern 14. He's going to be joining me. We're going to be taking a look at all 10 of these rosters. A few coaching changes have been made, so we're going to be diving in there as well, and we're going to be getting a little bit of a lay of the land with regards to SoCon with him in segment number two. In the final segment, I'm going to get you guys my projector or finish for this fine conference, and if you do have a question, comment, segment idea, what have you for this podcast, you're able to fire these in one of two ways. My X slash Twitter timeline, at GNNRSquarty1, keep in mind letters here. Maybe it does not matter, so as per usual, please send these into the timeline. Other ways, find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you're able to fire in whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five-star review. And since I am doing a conference preview today, that means that we are going to be doing the last 48 hours of college basketball news and notes if I don't do another conference preview tomorrow because you might be getting the Summit League tomorrow. So in that case, we will do two straight conference previews and then the previous 72 hours of college basketball news and notes. We're starting to really grind down with regards to the player movement. It's starting to get much more bare, which is why we're doing significantly more conference previews, but we've always got you guys covered on all fronts right here on Coast to Coast Hoops. So let's dive in on a SoCon where road teams reign supreme. Home teams in the SoCon were not offering a lot of value last year. There were two teams that hit north of 50% of their games against the spread at home. Wofford, who really did not have the world's greatest year. They went 8-5 against the spread at home, and so did Furman. Furman was a nice money maker for you, but you saw East Tennessee State go 3-11 against the spread at home. VMI, 3-8 against the spread at home. UNC Greensboro, Mercer went 5-7. Chattanooga, 5-8 against the spread at home. The Citadel, 5-9 against the spread at home. Meanwhile, Western Carolina, Sanford, they finished at 500, and UNC Greensboro, 5-7 against the spread at home. It was all about the road teams. The only team that finished below 50% against the spread on the road last year, Chattanooga, 6-8-1 against the spread, and a lot of that was the uh, games that they played without Jake Stevens. They just could not quantify how big Stevens was to that team because he was a 7-footer that was averaging 20 points and rebounds, shooting threes, so that was a big loss for them. Meanwhile, your top teams on the road, VMI, Western Carolina, they both covered 60% of the road games going 9-6 and six against the spread, and Furman, 7-4 and four against the spread when they were on the road as well as this was a conference that very much did reward a lot of these teams that might have been like slight favorites on the road, as you did see Furman go against the spread, 17-11 and 11 as a favorite. You saw the Citadel go 3-2 against the spread as a favorite, not much there. And then Samford, 11-9 against the spread as a favorite. Chattanooga, 8-6-1 against the spread as a favorite. BMI went on one so that was a 0% hit rate, but obviously not a lot of opportunities there. The one team that really struggled, ETSU, 4-11 against the spread as a favorite as ETSU. Just all season long, they were not able to find it. They went 12-17-1 against the spread just overall 
And then overall, Furman, they were that top team against the spread, 19 and 14. There, Wofford was able to go 17 and 13 as well, despite the fact that it was very much a down year for Wofford. Typically, you're used to finding this team towards the top of the conference. We all remember a few years ago when they were able to win a game in the NCAA tournament, and they very nearly took down Kentucky in the NCAA tournament as well. There was a little bit of a changing of the guard with Dwight Perry stepping in towards the middle part of the season, so that was a little bit of an issue as Wofford, they went 8-10. and 10. This is straight up within the conference. ETSU also went 8-10 and 10 straight up within the conference at ETSU. Uh, coach number four in the last five years. That's not too great. Meanwhile, yet Chattanooga finished 7-11. and 11. A lot of that was with Jake Stevens. Uh, the Fold Mercer went 6-12. and 12. Citadel 5-13. and 13. And VMI just all alone and dead last. 2-16 and 16 straight up within the conference. And then there was really a big three. Furman and Sam Iamford, 15 and 3 straight up within the conference. UNC Greensboro, 14 and 4, with Western Carolina going 10 and 8 themselves. And you notice that in this conference, there's not a lot of teams playing up tempo. You used to have one team that was just very demonstrative. They would run it and gun it down your throat. That was the Citadel. The Citadel really slowed it down. Ed Conroy comes in as the new head coach and he decides, you know what? We are going to play at the number 244 pace with regards to total possessions per game, and that makes this a little bit more of a slug of a conference. Chattanooga, they're more of a mid-tempo team themselves, 158th in the country with regards to total possessions per game. VMI is really just trying to find their way at this point, 247th in the country with regards to total possessions per game. And Furman, despite the fact that they're a very efficient offense, we're going to be talking about this in segment number two, how often they're in the top 10 with regards to two-point shooting percentage and points scored on a per-possession basis, as they were number six in the country with that regard. They were just 155th in the country in terms of total possessions per game, and they played at two possessions more per game this past year than they did the season before. Now, you don't have a whole lot of teams that are going to be going demonstratively slow, really, other than Wofford. Wofford last year, they really slowed things down. They were 277th in the country in terms of total possessions per game, but got a lot of mid-tempo teams like even Western Carolina, for example, 162nd in the country with regards to total possessions per game and with this conference. Not a lot of defense being played by too many of these teams. You'll notice that these teams, they are not really cracking the top 30 in terms of points allowed on a per-possession basis. There's one outlier. That'd be UNC Greensboro. UNC Greensboro, they were number 47 in the country in points allowed on a per-possession basis. So they were able to do their part. There was really nobody else in the conference that finished in the top 100 with regards to points allowed on a per-possession basis. And you did have a few teams in this conference just get completely barbecued on defense. None more than VMI. Out of 363 D1 teams, 362nd in the country in terms of points allowed on a per-possession basis. But Wofford was not too far behind. 331st in the country in terms of points allowed on a per-possession basis. The Citadel, 325th in the country with regards to points allowed on a per-possession basis. Mercer has been able to build themselves up a little bit more on defense, but still a relatively rough year for them as well. So you did have a lot of suspect defenses. Western Carolina, 246th in the country with regards to points allowed on a per-possession basis themselves as well. So you did see a lot of that going on as it is a conference that, in general, it actually rewards a lot more two-point shooting as you do have a team in Chattanooga that under... Dan Earl, they are certainly going to be looking to take a lot of threes, but a lot of these teams, they really make their hay when it comes to being able to get inside the arc and be able to get easy looks. That was encapsulated by Furman being number three in the country with regards to two-point shooting percentage, obviously. No team was able to quite touch that, but I mean, Wofford, who I just mentioned before, rough on defense, but they were number 20 in all of college basketball in terms of their two-point shooting percentage as you had three teams from within the conference be in the top 70 in terms of overall two-point shooting percentage with it being Sam Iamford being able to close things out at number 70 with that regard. Even ETSU, a team that struggled quite a bit last year, they were in the top 100 with regards to their overall two-point shooting percentage. You had Chattanooga be 101st, so these teams, they do a good job of being able to get the ball down low, being able to find those easy buckets, and that's very interesting to take a look at when it comes to a totals perspective as well as you've got a lot of teams that they play at a very not fast, not slow style. They look to take efficient shots, and as a result, you had five teams be 
north of 53% to the over, and you saw five teams be it north of 54% to the under, as Western Carolina and the Citadel. They played right around 55% their games to the under, 17 unders to 14 overs for both of them. Mercer was your big-time under team. 19 unders, 9 overs, 3 pushes. They didn't do a ton on offense, but they did improve that defense a little bit. You saw UNC Greensboro play 18 unders to 12 overs as well. Mike Jones always preaches defense, and then Wofford was your top over team. Played slowly, but gave up a lot of points per possession, and they scored a lot of points per possession. 18 overs, 11 unders, and a push. VMI, 16 overs, 12 unders, and a push. A lot of that was because they really could not play any defense whatsoever. And then Furman, 18 overs, 15 unders, same I Amford, 15 overs, 12 unders, and a push as well. And if you take a look at what happened with regards to conference games, when it came to conference play, things were pretty much equal. You did see a few teams become, become demonstrative under teams. ETSU, the Citadel, 12 unders to 7 overs against SoCon opponents. And then Mercer, 12 unders, 5 overs, and 3 pushes. Meanwhile, Wofford and Samford both played 12 overs with Wofford 7 unders, Samford 6 unders, and both had a push along the way with Furman playing 12 out of their 21 games to the over within the conference as well. So we did see in the SoCon a lot of equality. We see in the SoCon not necessarily a diverse amount of styles. You used to have the Citadel just run it and gun it. You don't have that anymore. But what you do have in the SoCon is typically a little bit of a divide between the haves and the have-nots and typically some very good mid-major schools. So coming up next, we're going to be looking at all 10 of these rosters with Blake Lovell. He does great work over at Southeastern 14, and we're going to be diving in on the lay of the land with regards to SoCon and what to expect from these rosters next. Right here on Coast Coast Soups with myself, Greg Eves Peterson, now a part of the Beeson Family Podcast, the SoCon Preview Edition. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game, King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what yeah. I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Tired of restless nights? Meet Lisa, the sleep expert. <sighs> Here at Lisa, we know that good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. That's why their mattresses are made for exceptional comfort and support, catering to every sleep need. Check out Lisa's Sapira Hybrid Mattress, named best hybrid mattress five years running. Sleep hot? The Chill Collection is built with cool-to-the-touch top fabric and layers of high-density comfort foams, all intended to remove excess body heat while maximizing comfort. With Lisa, getting a new mattress has never been easier. Delivery is free, and you have 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. Don't spend another night dreaming of better sleep. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com forward slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. That's l-e-e-s-a.com forward slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game, King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what yeah. I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> 
Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Good sleep should come naturally. And with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between award-winning mattress brand Lisa and home design favorite West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is the culmination of these two companies' shared values. Premium materials, meticulous craftsmanship, and sustainable practices. Made with natural latex, responsibly sourced natural wool, and environmentally safe foams, the Natural Hybrid elevates your sleep sanctuary. Indulge your senses and supports a greener tomorrow. Plus, when you purchase the natural hybrid, you're also helping fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Since 2015, Lisa has donated more than 40,000 mattresses to ensure children and families have a safe place to sleep. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart. Are you ready to become a winning sports better? Schedule a call with SBIA to find out how their service can make you a long-term winning player. They've developed an innovative algorithm that maximizes units return, and they are so confident in their system that they offer a money-back guarantee. Sign up by October 31st and get their NBA package at no cost until they reach 10 net units. They treat sports betting like a business. So if you want to learn how to make your sports betting dreams a reality, visit them at SBIA1.com and check them out on social media at SBIA Sports. And we're back to the Bumpy Las Vegas with Kelsey Kelsey with myself, Greg Eubes Peterson, now part of the Visa Family Podcast. This is the SoCon Preview Edition and it's always great to have this man aboard for it. Blake Lovell does absolutely tremendous work over at Southeastern 14. He is the director of content over there at that fine site. As we know, there's going to be a little bit more than 14 teams in the SEC soon. But again, for the Big Ten, they have not had 10 teams since I was born. So there is that a funky little bit of something that we've got going on in college sports right now. But one thing that has remained constant has been the SOCOM for many years. Blake does a great job. Following the game of college basketball, you're able to follow him on Twitter at the Blake Lovell. Last name is spelled L O V E L L all together. And Blake, always great to have you aboard for this preview. Thank you so much. Yeah, always appreciate you having me on, Greg. Always appreciate you joining me. And how about if we start with the team that was able to win a game in the NCAA tournament last year, Furman, as they had one of the wildest finishes to a NCAA tournament game that I have ever seen. And because of the wackiness of the tournament, it almost got buried because of everything that Fairleigh Dickinson and company did. Now, Furman, as we know, they're going to be in a little bit of transition. Many of their top scorers are going to be gone from last year. But I feel like if Carter Wick can take over the offense a little bit more, a former top 150 recruit out of Wake Forest, I do feel like Furman should still be there at the top of the conference. They have been last few years, and there's no doubt in my mind that this is still going to be one of the better teams, not just in the SOCOM, but at the mid-major ranks. Yeah, I would think so too, Greg. And I think that's, like you said, I think you just sort of give Bob Ritchie the, the benefit of the doubt at this point in the body of work he's put together there there now and what's going to be his seventh season. Finally, as you mentioned, breaking through, getting that NCAA tournament win. And they have been a team year in, year out. That I think when we get late into the season, it's usually one of those situations where we're always kind of talking about Furman as one of those teams where it's like you just don't want to play them. And, you know, if they get to the tournament, look out because you don't want to play them. And we found that out with Virginia last year. And so I think it's just the way Bob Ritchie coaches. And we know, too, you know, a team that's going to put up a lot of three-point shots. And we know in this day and age, that can be, you know, a great separator when it comes to being able to make those kind of shots consistently. But really, too, I mean, you look at their numbers, right? I think it's, what is it now? It's some ridiculous stat. I think they've been in the top 25, top 20-ish I think in two-point field goal percentage every single season that Bob Ritchie has been there as the head coach. And, you know, they're just an efficient team. And I love how, you know, they run their offense. And, again, we just look at what they can do on the offensive side. You mentioned Carter Witt and other guys like that can certainly step into bigger roles now and I think really have an opportunity to keep that thing going. And as we've seen, yes, there have been good players, you know, that have been there and there's good players that come behind them. But at the end of the day, it seems like Bob Ritchie has just figured out exactly the guys he needs to put into the way they want to play, and the consistency has been there in terms of just being able to put that into a product on the floor that gives them a chance to win a lot of games, and I would expect that to be the same this year. Yeah, and D2 lead transfer, P.J. Smith, he is going to be a big part of this team as well. I do think that Furman has a lot of upside, and then I take a look at Mercer, and they've just sort of been a milk toast team in this conference, 
last few seasons, but it does feel like some of the strength of this conference might be a little bit down. And I do think that this could be Mercer's time to strike. They do lose a little bit of their low post play from a season ago, but Jalen McCreary, their top scorer is back in the fold. I think that's going to be really big bringing in Caleb Hunter as well, who's able to put up 14 plus points per game while he's playing for his father over at Mississippi Valley State. And then Rob Carmody entering from Notre Dame. I do think gives this Mercer team quite a bit of upside. And if they're able to do just even a mediocre job on glass, I do think that this backcourt has quite a bit of upside with Jalen Cobb back as well. Yeah, I think the roster is certainly better. Like you said, when you think about the guys that you know they're bringing in and also the guy like McCreary, who, you know, started, of course, me being familiar SEC-wise, then started at South Carolina there for a couple of years, went to South Florida after that, and now you know, comes to Mercer and certainly a guy with some size and you kind of saw the numbers that he put up last year. And I mentioned getting Carmody coming in as well. It's a much more intriguing roster, I think. And you kind of said it from the start, one of those teams that hasn't really, you know, bottomed out by any means, but they haven't really reached, I think, that level that they want to reach just yet under Greg Gary. And I think it's going to be interesting, like you said, maybe is this a year where they can take a step back up because they've had a losing record the past couple of seasons in this league. I think there's maybe more opportunity this year to kind of make that jump for a team like Mercer, but they're just going to have to be, you know, much better offensively. They just were not a, a team that consistently put points together last year. And we talked about them. They've still though got a guy like McCreary who's pretty consistent. I think he what scored in double figures all but like four or five games last year, I believe. So I think he's probably got more of a roster around him now. And I do find this roster to be pretty interesting. But it's just, you know, can they put it all together and win some of those close games like we know they're going to be played in this league? And I think, what was it, Greg? They had a stretch towards the end of the season there. You know, they lost five in a row. And I think they lost three or four of those five by like four points or less or three points or less. That can change an entire dynamic of the season if you win, you know, three of those. And so we'll see what happens with Mercer. But I tend to think they're back on the upswing here. Yep, I think so as well as trying to be on the show. We do have Blake Lovell. He does tremendous work over at Southeastern 14. And this is a team of intrigue. The 21 wins Sanford got last year were their most since the 1999-2000 season. The leading scorer, Quest Glover, well, he's actually been at two Big 12 schools this offseason in BYU along with Kansas State. But regardless, he is out full. But they bring in Ryland Jones, who's a very good pass-first guy. They bring in one of the better D2 players out there, Dallas Graziani, who was over at that Nova Southeastern team that was able to win the national title, averaged 2.4 seals per contest at the lower level. A.J. Stanton McCrary, he is back in the fold as well. They bring in Zach Loveday from Baylor, a former top 200 recruit. This team loses Quetz Glover. That's a massive loss, no question about it. But Jermaine Marshall is back, and I think that Sanford is one of the best coach teams that you're going to find at the mid-major ranks. I do take a look at the team overall, and I do think that Sanford has a good chance to make a ton of noise once again in this conference. Yeah, I mean, I think we're seeing now that first season for, for Bucky McMillan there. I mean, it was tough. And I think there initially people were wondering, okay, you know, is this going to take off? But I think, you know, again, kind of being someone familiar with that part of the country and just the connections and everything, you know, he's had there in, in the state of Alabama. And just knowing that eventually you felt like, you know, the Birmingham sort of connection and the connections that he had built, you know, with really good high school players, of course, the former high school coach and all that, they were going to be able to go out and build a roster that would put them in a position to have success. And we saw that last year, right? I mean, now they've won what, two back-to-back seasons, 21 wins, but really the 15-3 and three in the conference last year was significant because that was the jump people wanted to see. And they finally got there. And by the way, I mean, I think you look at it too, Greg, what was very interesting about that is, you know, they lost a lot of those games last year, non-conference-wise, pretty close games that they played. You know, and most of those were on the road, right? And so, you know, if a couple more of those swing in their favor, you know, who knows what the final record winds up being. But they were a team that was just right there. Every It seemed like every game, they were right there with a the chance. And so that was just something, I think, when you looked at the roster, like you said, you'd have to replace a Glover, who we know a very talented player and could go off sort of at any time for a huge kind of scoring performance. But I still look, though, at this roster and, hey, I don't know if they go 15-3, and but, I mean, they're pretty set to me. And I think, again, you got to give credit to Bucky McMillan for what he's done there because he has clearly, I think, used that first season, second season to kind of catapult them into what they did last year. And now, I think, you use that and you've got a roster that feels like it's very talented. We know they're going to shoot the three. would expect big things from this team this year. I would as well. And this is a bunch that is reeling a little bit because, as we know, they lost their coach Dan Earl two seasons ago, and that would be VMI. And the big key for VMI is 
being able to crank up the defense a little bit more because the offense was fine and they are going to be losing quite a few of their top scores from last year. As a matter of fact, all five of their top five scores, but they bring back some like Deshaun Jackson, six points, a little bit over seven boards per contest. He's able to pop some threes. Cooper Cisco is back after he, during the 2021-22 season, actually shot 54.5% from three-point range, but his team was 362nd out of 363 D1 teams and points a lot on a per-possession basis last year. And for BMI, I think that is going to be a long rebuild because let's call it what it is when you're at a military academy like BMI. Very hard to get a tough like transfers. Yeah, and I mean, I feel like Greg is even going back into the Dan Earl, you know, part of the discussion when we were having that several years ago. It just seems like this has always been a team that defensively, they just haven't been able to figure it out consistently enough. And sure, I'm sure there's been, you know, a couple of years here or there where it's been better. But like you said, look at where they finished last year, just in terms of some of the defensive numbers. That's just not going to get it done, especially, like we said, when you're playing what could be and what has been some pretty high-scoring teams at times when you look at just the ability, like we said, for teams that can really shoot the three ball like a Furman and teams like that. So Sanford, of course, too. And so I think it's just something where if you're going to make a jump in this league, you got to defend better. And I think it's just something where that's really what it comes down to. And I know it was a tough first season there for Andrew Wilson and only getting seven wins. And you know, they were another team, too, that when you looked up and down, they did play some close games, had some opportunities to kind of break through, but could just never put it together on both sides of the floor. For that to happen, again, we can talk about the defense, but it's not like they were a great offensive team either. So, I mean, it's, it continues the theme. They're going to shoot it. You just know. I mean, that's kind of how they're going to play. They're going to put up a lot of threes, too, and that's just kind of the nature of where things were. But didn't have a lot of experience last year, didn't have a lot of size. That's got to change. That's kind of the trio, I think, for them to be successful. Um, you know, they, they got to be able to be a team that has more experience, learn from what they did last year, but they just got to be much better on defense. And until that happens, it's going to be a tough road, I think, for them to find these standings in, in the SOCON. I agree with you. As joining me on the show, we've got Blake Lovell. He does tremendous work over at Southeastern 14 to help me break down the Southern Conference on our Southern Conference preview edition. And we were talking about the loss of Dan Earl for VMI. Let's take a look at the school A's currently and Chattanooga. For Chattanooga, the reason why they finished 7-11 and in the conference, in my opinion, was that injury to Jake Stevens. And when they got him back in the uh, conference tournament, they very nearly won the whole sticking thing and made the NCAA tournament. So, that's how impactful he was. Now they are going to have to look to life without him. But they bring in someone from Pepperdine, Jan Zedek. He's got a similar game to Jake Stevens. You see Jake Stevens? No, but he's a big guy that's able to pop a few threes. He's able to grab a few boards. I like his overall game. And on top of that, they are going to get Hunter Huff in the fold after he was like one of like five guys in all of college basketball that did not get a waiver to play last year. That was unfortunate. Double figure score two seasons ago at VMI and Trey Bonham. He is back in full dive as well after he spent last year in the SEC. It does feel like the band is back together for Chattanooga and Dan Earl. I recognize that the loss of Stevens is big, but having played without us so much last year, I think could pay dividends, especially with bringing in someone like uh, Tyler Millen from Middle Tennessee. I think that there's great upside here with Chattanooga. Yeah, I think Dan Earl's built a pretty good roster here, like you said, even bringing in uh, Bonham, who was at Florida last year. I just think this is, you know, I think this winds up being a better fit in terms of you know, some familiarity there, of course, someone who was at VMI for a couple seasons, I think, before he we went to Florida. So, yeah, I think that familiarity will help all parties and, you know, again, give this team a chance to be explosive offensively. And, you know, once again, stop me if you heard this before, but here's a team who's going to put up some threes. And I think they finished, what, first in the country last year in terms of their points coming from three, almost 45% or something like that, you know, the amount of points they got there. So, you know, again, how they're going to play. And, right, that's no different than uh, the way Dan Earl did it when he was you know, at VMI, the, the teams there uh, towards his last couple of years, we know, were just kind of known for being able to score the ball efficiently, putting up, you know, a lot of shots from outside. And uh, that theme's going to continue. And I think he's got kind of the roster to do it. You mentioned kind of the guys that they're going to bring back, the guys they're bringing in. Uh, I do think Bottom, that's where he really helps them just in terms of, I think, the things he can do there as well. So I think there's a lot of reason for optimism for this team. As you mentioned, you know, if an injury doesn't happen, they're probably much better last year. And so I think you kind of have to put that to the side, but I would expect them to, you know, maybe Greg, and honestly, just looking at the standings, I would have to think that this is probably the team that probably moves up the most just based on looking around at everyone else and feeling like there's a lot of opportunity here for this team. If you're just looking at the conference standings, I would think that Chattanooga probably in the best position to make the biggest jump. Yep, I think that Chattanooga certainly is in a position to make that big jump, and I think that they're a very well-coached team. And How about if we take a look at a – 
team in this conference that has been a turnstile for coaches. That would be East Tennessee State as they turn to Brooks Savage now as their coach. Their fourth different head coach over the last five years. This is just a rough situation in general because there's no consistency here. Now, they bring back leader in rebounds in Jaden Seymour. He was able to give the team seven and a half boards per contest. I like Jaden Parker coming in from North Florida. Someone that's able to give the team 1.7 blocks per contest. And Edie Asamoah is someone that, while he was at Delaware during the 2021-22 season, was a good sharp shooter. But there has been so much volatility with regards to the coaching spot. There's been such a lack of consistency. And I think that that's really been costing the East Tennessee State team that, as we remember, under Mr. Steve Forbes, this was really the class of the SoCon, and they have fallen so far because they just can't stick with the coach for more than two years. Yeah, they just haven't been able to find their way since that, what, 2019-20 season, you know, when Forbes wound up, you know, leaving for Wake Forest, and it's not been, I think, what ETSU fans expect, you know, from that program, and I think now it's just going to be, can they, you know, kind of keep this going, and can they get back on track to where really, you know, you feel like they're back up into that upper echelon of teams in this conference because that's what they were that was the standard that was set by them and so you talk about a guy like Brooke Savage taking over a younger guy who now comes in he's younger but he's been experienced in terms of just what he's done at the college level and I think he got there what was it he's been there several seasons now and in a variety of roles but now he gets that opportunity maybe that's something right maybe someone who has been there on staff since I think it's what 2015 or 16 doing different things and been there inside that program understanding what they did to be successful maybe that is now an opportunity for them to be able to use that and get back to doing things that this team did well because like you said they just have not been able to find their way and it's hard to really project, I think, Greg, a team like this. And this is why, you know, I would be higher on, you know, like a team like Chattanooga making a bigger jump because you feel like there are more knowns. But with ETSU, it's another new coach in the mix, you know, coming off a very disappointing season. It's just hard to know. Even if you look at the roster, you can see some things that you can feel optimistic about with certain guys, but I don't have a great feel on this team. And they may be honestly the hardest one to peg just based on past success and wondering, can they really get back to that when they've had some pretty disappointing years past several? Yeah, they've had a lot of disappointing seasons. And for UNC Greensboro, there's not been a lot of disappointment with this team last few years. And it does feel like they've got some consistency with one of the best coaches that you're going to find because you might ask who is UNC Greensboro's coach and I say Mike Jones and he has done a very good job with this program you've got the Langley brothers in there Keyshawn was the main scorer and then Kobe he's someone that does a really good job of being able to defend generate a few steals and then Mikel Brown Jones who he came in from from VCU a few seasons ago did a nice job with right around 10 points per contest they maintained a lot of that backcourt from last season they might have a little bit of a rough time down low, but I think that Tim Caesar, the six foot nine gentleman that comes in from Utah Valley, is going to be all about both that. They've done a good job of scouring the D2 ranks this year. It's going to be Jalen Gibson coming in from D2 Winston-Salem State. That's going to be able to help them out. I can't see UNC Greensboro really being the team that wins the conference, but you know that this team is going to play rough defense, and you know that Mike Jones is going to have a competitive team night in, night out against everyone in this conference. Yeah, I know UNC Greensboro fans were worried when Wes Miller left. They were wondering, all right, again, we talk about the standard of success that he had set, just like we mentioned with Steve Forbes at ETSU. But I thought getting Mike Jones was just a tremendous hire because, again, you look at kind of what he was able to achieve there, his past, just kind of the momentum he had built as the head coach at Bradford. And then to, you know, kind of come over, there's obviously, you know, geographically, there's familiarity there being, you know, where he was in Virginia. Now he's in Greensboro. I think last year you really saw it. And you mentioned kind of that rough sort of rugged style of defense that they're going to play. Probably a team's going to find a way to turn you over some. They're really not going to give you a lot of good looks. And we really saw that last year. And of course, I think just being a team that, that had a lot of experience, really helped that. And so I would definitely look at this and feel like Mike Jones can have his team in a position to have success here. And it's just a matter of, again, seeing if some of these guys can kind of plug in and step into these bigger roles, knowing that, like we said, they were one of the most experienced teams last year. You have to replace certain guys, but they defended even in games that they lost last year. You know, you can look at some of those and say, hey, it really wasn't the defense that they didn't give up a lot of points. They just maybe couldn't find enough points themselves to get over the hump in some of those games they lost that were close. But I think to me, Greg, this is like a Mike Jones thing. I fully trust that he's going to have his guys ready to play and in a position to have a lot of success this year. And just seeing again, can they kind of put themselves in that same group with a Furman, with a Sanford, maybe a Chattanooga and teams like that. I agree with you. I always have faith in Mike Jones and 
I can always crack those nice, funny little one-liners. So I like Mike Jones for a wide variety of reasons, as we always love having Blake Lovell on the podcast. He does great work over at Southeastern 14, and he's joining me right here on Coast Coast Hoops Breakdown, SoCon. And how about if we take a look at this team? Because I do feel like Western Carolina was a little bit of a surprise last year. Are they a supreme team within the conference? No, but at the same time, you can tell that strides were being taken forward, and for Western Carolina, they horribly needed that as as we're going to call it decade or so, it has been relatively soft, but an 18-16 and 16 year for Justin Gray is something to be able to build upon. I remember Vontavious Wilbright last year. He was Mr. Do-It-All for this team, able to put up like 14.5 points, 7.5 boards, right around 5 rebounds per game. Russell Jones is someone I like. And they bring in Cornelius Williams, who began his career at LSU. I do think that there's a little bit of upside would like to see maybe a little bit more dynamic scoring. This is certainly not a team that has the world's greatest depth, but at the same time, they did a good job of taking care of the ball last season, and it seems as though Trey J- Jackson should be back in the fold, and that's a guy that could really take over a game for Western Carolina. Yeah, Trey Jackson had some big games last year. I think the one I was thinking of, Greg, what was it, the 45-47, something like that, in that wild game they played against Wofford. I think that was a double overtime game, and so – Anytime you have someone like that on the floor, that is something that can always help. And again, he's a former guy who was at the power conference level at Iowa State. And so I think when you, again, have that kind of as an option, that can give you a chance to really make that jump. And we saw that last year with Western Carolina and really high on Justin Gray, too, in terms of his coaching ability. And I think that it was just sort of a matter of time. They struggled a little bit in his first season, but saw that progression last year and like you said, a team that really did a good job taking care of the ball. They don't. They didn't force a lot of turnovers last year, so that kind of puts you in a situation where you weren't able to make a lot of mistakes yourself, and they didn't really put themselves in those scenarios to do that. But this is another team I definitely put in sort of the optimistic category just based on that. And I think hard to figure out maybe was a team you know down there like what's going to happen with ETSU. You don't really know just because of continuity issues there and such, but. I would think that Western Carolina is one of those teams that maybe I just don't really expect any drop-off here. I I think it's sort of the trust in Justin Gray. And again, having a guy like Trey Jackson, too, I feel like is probably set for a pretty big season. That at least was like a a great starting point for this team. Yes, it does feel like a good starting point. And with Western Carolina, I don't think that they're going to quite be up there with the likes of Furman and company, but certainly things have been getting much better for them. And this is a bunch that they are looking to build themselves back up as well. You were talking about... That insane game that Mr. Jackson had against Wofford. Well, for Wofford, they took down Texas A&M last year. And right then you thought, man, this could be a big year for them. But that turned out to not be the case as Wofford. They just keep losing their top score year in and year out. I mean, we remember the fact that Storm Murphy was on the fold. They're losing their main point guard from last year as well. So there is quite a turnstile that's happening with that regard. Though I will say they've got Dylan Bailey who was able to average right around 15 points per contest at the D2 level. He's back at the fold. They bring in Corey Tripp, Kyler Filewich. These guys should be able to help out as well. But losing someone that came over from Kimberly, actually the former paper paper maker, who was able to do a good job at the backcourt, Jackson Pavelski, that is going to be a big loss for this Wofford team as they're going to need someone like a Chase Cormer who comes in from the CAA to elevate. And I feel like this is a Wofford team that has just fallen in general on some tough times. And two, you know, like you said, you remember certainly you go back to last year in a coaching situation and Dwight Perry winds up taking over. I guess that was what, in December sometime. And it felt like this was that team that also was not that far away. Like it felt like they had every opportunity. But, you know, when you look back at it, they lost a couple close games on the road against LSU and Vanderbilt. Like you said, they wind up beating Texas A&M. And then, you know, when you looked at sort of just the way the season unfolded, last three regular season losses were all in overtime, uh, including, like we said, the wild double overtime game against Western Carolina. But then you keep going. It's like, well, they lost by five at Western Carolina. They lost by two at home to ETSU. Again, they were not that far away. Uh, but now, you know, it's just questioning. Can they really get back to being – Again, what we knew that they were when Mike Young was there, you know, back in 2019 or 20, I guess it was. But yeah, I mean, it's just, can they find that sort of momentum again? And it's been hard to do because like we said, it seems like there are certainly some other teams in the SOCON that have been able to kind of eclipse what they're doing right now. But they're still an intriguing team to me just because I think, you know, obviously they have to get better on the defensive side as you talked about. Uh, but if they can just defend better, you know, even a little bit, that will go a long way, I think, in this conference. Like we said, going up against some really good offensive players, 
and some really good coaches, I think, that are good at coaching offense. If they can get back to doing that, they'll have their opportunities. But yeah, it does feel like a program that sort of uh, is stuck. I don't even want to say maybe even in the middle right now, but it feels like they're kind of stuck in terms of not being able to get back up there, you know, with those 12 to 15 type wins in the conference like we've seen from Furman and Sanford and such. They have been a little bit stuck, and we've got one more team to be able to break down. And you were talking about being stuck. The Citadel, they have been stuck at the bottom for a very, very long time as they moved on from Dugger Bauckham two seasons ago. They bring in Ed Conroy, and they played slower last year. It didn't yield better results as their points allowed on a per-possession basis. If you look at it, it was pretty much the same. Now, I will say this. Quentin Melora Brown coming in from Vanderbilt, the guy that made 57 starts the last two years, that is probably the best transfer that Citadel could ever hope to get. They bring back Madison Dewar, Elijah Morgan. Do I think that this team is going to be better? Yes, but with how far down they were, you got to have question marks there as they were 362nd in the nation last year in terms of rebound rate. Arrow trending upward. Still think that there's a long way to go for the Citadel, though. Yeah, I mean, you know, Melora Brown coming in, like you said, is interesting. He was obviously at Vanderbilt when Ed Conroy was there as an assistant. And so maybe that connection, you know, works out because I think Melora Brown was someone he didn't have to play, you know, kind of the featured role. And I think, you know, he's an older guy, though, has played a lot of valuable minutes in the SEC just as a valuable contributor. Didn't have to be the main guy. But we also know, you know, kind of the SEC trade-off, I guess, is, Stephen Clark winds up going to South Carolina, which I think is a significant addition for South Carolina, but not good for the Citadel just in terms of what he did for them last year. Kind of with you, Greg. It's one of those teams, too, that it's like we talked about all these other teams. We've said there's a lot of upside with some of these teams with kind of making that jump. And Chattanooga feels like one of them. You don't really feel like Furman, Sanford, UNC, Greensboro are going anywhere. Western Carolina even if they maybe they're not a top three team, I can't imagine that they're worse than probably like, you know, I don't know, fifth, something like that, perhaps. And so it's just like there's only so many places you can go and someone has to lose games. And I just don't know still if the Citadel roster wise for Ed Conroy is sort of set up where they're going to win a lot of games in this conference because I feel like they are still kind of retooling things the way they need it to be at least just kind of looking at it on paper, even though they're another one of those teams that you could see some things they did well last year, but it did feel like they're still a little bit away from probably being where they need to be. Yeah, there's no question about it. There is some rebuilding that needs to be done there, unlike what needs to be done with you, Blake. You're always firing on all cylinders. You're always doing a tremendous job taking a look at the game that we all know and love with college basketball. I know that you guys over there at Southeastern 14 are very busy because a lot of the transfers, a lot of the player movement that's now done, so you guys are projecting for for the upcoming season. And, Without a doubt, I mean, Southeastern 14, I'm sure that you guys are a little bit concerned about that sport called football right now as well. So there's that aspect of things. So let the good people at home know it's all on tap for you and how people are able to follow on social media and other platforms. Yeah, what is this SEC football stuff, Greg, that people are talking about? <laughs> we're, we're, come on, we're only a couple months away from basketball season here. But, yeah, you can check out all of our SEC stuff at Southeastern 14. Again, you know, it's like it's one of those things where, Yes, we cover the SEC, but like you do have to pretty much know about so many other conferences, you know, in college basketball specifically now, just because of the transfers. We talked about just different guys that are going, you know, different places. And so, yeah, it's always fun to talk about the SOCON too. And so, I'm, as we said, there's always a, a guy that winds up in the SEC from the SOCON and multiple players and coaches and such. So, yeah, it's kind of a fun thing to do to look around at all these conferences. But, yeah, you can find the SEC stuff there and everything else, all of the other college basketball stuff. You can follow me on Twitter, X at the Blake level. Yep, and that's something that we're never going to get used to as well. The Big Ten having 18 teams, Twitter now being called X, the Pac-12 being defunct, list goes on and on, but we're always used to great insights from Blake Lovell, and we got just that today. A big thanks to Blake for joining me on Cusco Soup's now part of the Visa Family Podcast. And coming up next, since it is the SoCon Preview Edition, I give you my projector of finish for the SoCon. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. 
Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. Like that, see that. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he ain't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Tired of restless nights? Meet Lisa, the sleep expert. <sighs> Here at Lisa, we know that good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. That's why their mattresses are made for exceptional comfort and support, catering to every sleep need. Check out Lisa's Sapira Hybrid Mattress, named best hybrid mattress five years running. Sleep hot? The Chill Collection is built with cool-to-the-touch top fabric and layers of high-density comfort foams, all intended to remove excess body heat while maximizing comfort. With Lisa, getting a new mattress has never been easier. Delivery is free, and you have 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. Don't spend another night dreaming of better sleep. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com forward slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. That's l-e-e-s-a.com forward slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of guard that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what yeah. I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Tired of restless nights? Meet Lisa, the sleep expert. <sighs> Here at Lisa, we know that good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. That's why their mattresses are made for exceptional comfort and support, catering to every sleep need. Check out Lisa's Sapira Hybrid Mattress, named best hybrid mattress five years running. Sleep hot? The Chill Collection is built with cool-to-the-touch top fabric and layers of high-density comfort foams, all intended to remove excess body heat while maximizing comfort. With Lisa, getting a new mattress has never been easier. Delivery is free, and you have 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. Don't spend another night dreaming of better sleep. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com forward slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. That's l-e-e-s-a.com forward slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Tired of restless nights? Meet Lisa, the sleep expert. <sighs> Here at Lisa, we know that good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. That's why their mattresses are made for exceptional comfort and support, catering to every sleep need. 
Check out Lisa Sapira Hybrid Mattress, named best hybrid mattress five years running. Sleep hot? The Chill Collection is built with cool-to-the-touch top fabric and layers of high-density comfort foams, all intended to remove excess body heat while maximizing comfort. With Lisa, getting a new mattress has never been easier. Delivery is free, and you have 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. Don't spend another night dreaming of better sleep. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com forward slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. That's l-e-e-s-a.com forward slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. And we're back here in lovely Las Vegas for Coast to Coast Hoops with myself, Greg Eves Peterson, now part of the Beeson Family of Podcasts. A big thanks to Blake Volvo, who does amazing work over at Southeastern 14 for taking a look at all 10 of these rosters out in the SoCon. I do think that is going to be a very fascinating year to say the least out here in the SoCon. And Blake, he does a tremendous job taking a look at the great game of college basketball. So big thanks to him for joining me in the last segment. Now it is that time of the podcast. I do give you my projector or finish. For the SOCON, I do have to mention before I go any further that because I am not doing the news and notes of college basketball today, they will either be done tomorrow or they will be done 48 hours from now because I might be doing back-to-back conference previews. I might be diving in on the Summit League tomorrow. If I don't dive in on the Summit League tomorrow, it'll be done 48 hours from now. So you're getting lots of conference previews as we get set for what is going to be a tremendous college basketball season, but I don't know if it's going to be Overly tremendous for this bunch, as dead last with regards to my projector or finish, we are going to be going with our good friends over there at VMI. With VMI, 362nd in the country in terms of points allowed on a per-possession basis. When Dan Earl left, he left with a lot of the key pieces that allowed this team to be competitive a few seasons ago. This is a full-on rebuild for VMI, and with VMI, because it is a military school, they're really not able to bring in a really anyone with regards to the transfer portal. You've got Tashad Johnson, who's able to give you seven boards, shot 37% from three last year. Cooper Sisko will look to get back to his time as a freshman when he shot 54.5% from three, but he's only averaging right around four points per contest, did not do it on volume. You've got to be questioning who's going to be bringing up the ball for this team. Devin Butler was an okay three-point shooter with five points per contest, but this bunch did not play any defense whatsoever. They lose so many pieces on offense. It is an uphill battle for VMI. I've got them number 10 with regards to my projector or finish. Feels like a tradition unlike any other. And number 9 in my projector or finish, going to be going with the Citadel. Once again, for the Citadel, this is going to be a uphill process for them. As for the Citadel, the good news is Quentin Melora Brown comes into the program. 57 starts made last two seasons out there in the SEC at Vanderbilt. He was able to log 5.3 points, 5.6 boards, a block per contest two seasons ago. And you do bring back Madison Dewar, Elijah Morgan. They combined for 15.3 points, 6.5 boards, about 4 assists per contest. But they do lose their top guy in Stephen Clark. He was a Mr. Do-It-All sort of player for a team that really didn't shoot a well from three-point range. They are going to be bringing in something like a Woodson Hill, who he was at Presbyterian last season and played just seven games this previous campaign. He looks to get back to a clean bill of health after during the 2021-22 campaign. He had 12 points, six half boards, so he's looking to be able to build themselves up. But this is also a team that, even with Melora Brown coming into the fold, they were 362nd out of 363. Division one teams with regards to rebound rate, once again, very much a uphill battle for Ed Conroy to face. I have the Citadel as a result, number nine with regards to my projector or finish. At number eight, I am going to be going with Eastern Tennessee State. With ETSU, just really tough. Brooks Savage is their fourth different head coach in the last five years. This is the most of any team in all of Division I college basketball in this time span. Now, they do get back Jaden Seymour. Seymour was able to give the team 8.5 points, 7.5 boards, a block per contest, and it really looks like this team is going to be trying to build themselves up down low. Jaden Parker, he was able to give North Florida a season ago 1.7 blocks, 7.5 points per contest, so you've got a little bit of something to be able to build around there, but this is a bunch that was 284th in the country in terms of three-point shooting percentage. They're going to be looking to Justice Smith, who was able to average 7.5 points, 3.5 boards, shot 36% for three to be able to build that up. E.B. Asamoah 
did shoot about 46% from three during the 2020-21 season at Delaware, but he has seen a little bit of sinkage with regards to some of those numbers as they bring in a D2 gentleman to be able to help out a little bit as well. Coming in from USC Aiken, you've got Karan Boyd, who was able to give you about 11 points at the 91 level, and DJ Hughes, he was at Butler last year, but really didn't see a lot of minutes. And for ETSU, they were 317th in the country in terms of turnovers on a per-possession basis at home last season. So you've got a little bit of an offensive mess. A team that's going to be undergoing a little bit of a new defensive front as well. And that is really going to be hurting this team, in my opinion. As a result, I do have ETSU number 8 with regards to my projector finish. Very weird to uh, be announcing this team at number 7, but I'm going to be going with Wofford. They lose Jackson Pavelski. Kid that I really liked. I know him a little bit because he's from Kimberly, Wisconsin, not too far from where I grew up. But losing him, the main trigger man for this offense, that is going to be tough as they're going to be looking to someone like a Chase Cormier, who he comes in from the CAA. He was only able to put up right around three and a half points per contest when he was at Northeastern. He's going to need to play some big minutes. Now, I will say, this was a bunch I was 20th in the country with regards to two-point shooting percentage last year, and they bring back Corey Tripp along Kyler Fiolwich. These were two guys that combined to average about 15 points per contest. Fiolwich, nearly five boards. Tripp was able to give you 1.4 steals. Shot about 36% from three-point range. And Carson McCorkle, good name, six points. He was able to shoot about 34.5% from three and shot more like 44% from three in the last 15 games of the season. Felt like he was able to find his footing a little bit more, but they're going to be looking to Dylan Bailey. At the Division II level for Northeastern State, had 15 points per game, but they're going to be looking at him to have a big imprint on this offense. I don't think that that's necessarily where you want to be. Jackson Silvis is a six foot six, a little bit of a combo player that should be able to give this team a bit of production as well, but this team does not have the depth like they've had in the past. They certainly don't have the point guard like you'd expect as well. I do think that this is going to be a rough go of it for Wofford. As a result, I do have them at number seven with regards to my projector or finish. At number six, I like this team, but I just feel like the top five is a little bit better. I'm going to be going with Mercer. Caleb Hunter comes in from Mississippi State where he had averaged 14 points per contest two seasons ago. The issue that you've got there is that Mississippi Valley State, when he was there, they were a bottom five team in all of college basketball because Lindsey Hunter just had no idea how to coach basketball. And frankly, I look at that scenario where someone had to get points and it just so happened to be him. Meanwhile, you do have returning back to the full Jalen McCreary. He was the top scorer from last year, 15 points. Five and a half rebounds per game, but they do lose someone like David Craig. He was seven foot two, so that's a big loss of size. Robbie Carmody, he was able to uh, put up some numbers while he was over at Notre Dame, averaging 3.3 points per contest in 22 games, and he was a former top 100 guy according to 247 Sports. So he had a little bit of upside there, but he has not played a lot of basketball the last few seasons. Jai Kionis, he was someone that was able to average right around seven points a steal per contest in the final 16 games of the season, and they will have Nada Atkin to be able to help out down low as well. He missed all of last season, and he's going to look to get back to his 2020-21 form when he was at Southeast Missouri State. Had about 9.5 points, 6 boards, a little bit of a steal per game at 6'6", was able to shoot about 35% from 3-point range, but you're looking at guys like City Diallo, who really played at UMKC, someone in Alex Holt who never had a lot of production at high point to be able to play big minutes, and I think that that is going to be a tad bit of an issue. So, as a result, I've got Mercer at number six with regards to my projector finish. At number five, I am going to be going with Western Carolina. Now, Western Carolina has two dudes that I really like. That would be Trey Jackson, 15 points, three and a half boards, steal per contest, shot 42% from three, 88% the free throw line, and Vitarius Woolbright, Mr. Do-It-All. 14.5 points, 7.5 boards, 5 steals per game for a bunch that was very efficient with the ball. Top 35 in the country with regards to fewest turnovers on a per-possession basis. They are going to need to pick it up on defense. They were in the bottom 125 with regards to points allowed on a per-possession basis. You've also got Russell Jones, who's going to be back in the fold as well. For Russell Jones, he was able to do a rock-solid job being able to give the team right in the neighbor about 9 points per contest. Was able to shoot about 34.5% from three-point range, but it's a little bit of a question mark as to where you're going to be able to get out of Cornelius Williams. He 
enters into the program after redshirted at LSU last year. Six foot ten big man Charles Lampton. He comes in from Chattanooga, where he averaged about a block, two and a half rebounds per game a few seasons ago. But they really don't have a ton down low. They're going to be looking to Bernard Pelotti along with DJ Turned It Up Campbell, who averaged right around six boards per contest to help out a team that was actually 38th in the country in road defensive rebound rate last season. But they do lose a lot of what they had down low. They bring back a lot of the backcourt. I feel like this is a little bit of an incomplete team. So as a result, Western Carolina is number five for me in my projector finish. And number four, I'm going to be going with UNC Greensboro. For Greensboro, they are going to be bringing back the Langley brothers as Keyshawn Langley was able to average right around 14.3 points per contest, main score for the team. And then you've got his brother Kobe Langley, not a guy that is really going to be scoring a whole heck of a lot, but does a good job of helping facilitate offense, does a very good job as a plus defender as well as Greensboro. They were number 47 in the country in terms of points allowed on a per-possession basis, by far the best mark within the conference, but have to have a few question marks with what they're going to be able to get down low. I do like the fact that they bring in someone like Tim Caesar, never really had supreme numbers while he was over at Utah Valley, but was a part of a Utah Valley team that they just had winners in general, but you have to replace Keontae Kennedy, who was able to average right around 14 points, six boards, was a little bit of a do-it-all player. Mohamed Abdul-Salam at six foot nine-ish was able to give you seven rebounds per game, even something like a pass lighty. Yeah, good versatility was able to pull in their four and a half rebounds per game, so that is going to be a big question mark for this team. And they also lose Dante Tracy. He was a guy that was able to help dole out the ball a little bit more, so that does put even more pressure on the Langley brothers. But the good news is Mikel Brown-Jones, who came in from VC, was able to average right around 10 points per contest. He was able to do a nice job on that front. I think that Donovan Atwell is going to be able to help out in the backcourt as well. And Joram Sunzu, who comes in from St. Bonaventure, was a little bit of an afterthought for the Bonnies, I think. Could be able to give this team a little bit of production in the backcourt. If you take a look at the roster on paper, this is probably not the number four team in the conference, but I have a lot of faith in Mike Jones. Mike Jones always gets his teams to play very good defense. These are two guys in the Langley brothers that they just know how to play off of one another. They've got good chemistry. So as a result, I have got the old UNC Greensboro Spartans at number four with regards to my projector finish. And number three, I am going to be going with Samford. Samford has a lot of talent on this roster, but when you lose a primary guy like Quez Glover, that is going to be affecting you a little bit as Quez Glover over the last two years was averaging 16 plus points per contest. Now, I absolutely love the fact that they bring in Ryland Jones. Ryland Jones is an unselfish pass-first guy. Did have some problems staying healthy last year and has been dealing with a few ailments, but that said, when Ryland Jones can be a pass-first guy, he's able to be very dynamic. You just take a look back to his 2019-20 season. When he was at Utah in the Pac-12, which, rest in peace to the Pac-12, which is their swan song year, Nine and a half points, 4.4 assists, 1.5 steals per game, shot 38% from three. Garrett comes in from Alabama A&M, 13 and a half points, four boards, 1.8 steals per game. Samford under Bucky McMillan, they always look to be able to generate steals. They've got a lot of guys with active hands, including Dallas Graziani. He comes in from D2 Nova Southeastern, the team that was able to win the title at the D2 level last year. You have 2.4 steals, 11 and a half points per game. Perfect fit for the team. A.J. Stratton McCrary, he's able to give you 1.8 steals, 8 points, few boards. you got to love the versatility of this team. And Zach Loveday, he comes in from Baylor, former top 200 recruit. Seldom used as a 7-footer, but a 7-footer that's able to shoot threes, especially if you're able to get Cooper Kafis a little bit more time after he was limited to 8 contests last season. You're able to pair that up with Jermaine Marshall. I think that, that is going to be a lethal team. So as a result, I do have Sanford at number three in my projector finish. And number two, I am going to be going with Chattanooga. Now, I fully recognize that Chattanooga, they just weren't the same team when they were without Jake Stevens last year. But I think that Jan Zadek is being slept upon quite a bit. I think that he can get back to the 2021-22 form that he had at Pepperdine. He's someone that is just below 7 feet tall, 13.5 points, 3.7 boards per contest that slipped quite a bit last year. And a lot of people are sleeping on the fact that Hunter Huff, he was not able to play last season. He was denied a waiver of like one of five players. Denied a waiver last season. He's going to be all good to go. Played for Dan Earl at VMI two seasons ago. 10 points, 2.3 assists. Shot 37.7% from three-point range. And welcome back, Potter, to Trey Bonham. He spent time with Florida last year and two seasons ago while he was playing for Dan Earl. 13.5 points, 4.5 boards, 4 assists, 1.3 steals. Shot 35% 
from three-point range. You've got Dimitri Davis, who's going to be back in the fold as well. He's able to be a mid-33 point shooter with eight points per contest. Tyler Millen was a very good plus defender at Middle Tennessee that was able to shoot 36% from three-point range. And they were, Chattanooga was, one of the most rough defenses in all of college basketball. But I do think that they're going to be much more fortified this season. And you're going to still have great offense, especially with bringing in from the Citadel, Rudy Fitzgibbons the third. He missed all of last season, but he was able to average eight points on 36% three-point shooting within the conference two seasons ago. And this was the only team in the country that took more than 50% of their field goals from three-point range. This team does stand out in a conference where a lot of teams, they do play a little bit similarly. I do think that with Anderl, he's going to be able to do a great job of coaching this team up. And I think that he is truly one of the best mid-major coaches in all of college basketball. I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt here. I've got Chattanooga, number two in my projector finish at. And number one, we can't go against the old Furman Paladins. I just wish that they were called the Furries instead of the Paladins. But with Furman, I do think that they are going to be able to rebuild, despite the fact that they are going to be losing a lot of their top guys from last season. But you do bring back J.P. Pigs. He is the main of their top three scores. That is back at full, 12 points, three and a half boards. 3.9 assists per contest, and Marcus Foster was able to shoot 36% for three, right around five boards, 10.5 points per contest. With Furman, they didn't scour the transfer portal as much as they did a few seasons ago, but a few seasons ago, they got a top 200 recruit in Carter Witt. Witt was actually able to see some starts at the point guard spot for Wake Forest a few seasons ago. I think that he is going to be a perfect fit for this team. You've got someone like Garrett Hine who was able to shoot north of 36% from three-point range. Did a very good job as sort of a plug-and-play scorer for this team. Now, when you are missing these guys that were able to put up a triple-double like a Jalen Slauson on any given night, that is certainly going to be hurting the team. But I think that Mr. Ritchie is one of the better mid-major coaches in all of college basketball. Ben Vanderwall, six foot seven. Very good combo player. I think should be able to have a nice season. And P.J. Smith Jr., I think that he's one of the best non-D1 transfers that is going to be entering into the D1 level this year. While at Division II, Lee College was able to put up nearly 16 points, 5.5 rebounds, 3.8 assists, 1.7 seals, shot 45% from three-point range. Exactly what you're looking for for a Furman team that is one of the most efficient offenses in all of college basketball. So I've got Furman, number one, in my projector or finish. And now we'll wrap things up for the SoCon Preview Edition right here on Cuscus now part of the Visa Family Podcast. If you ever do have a question, comment, segment, idea, what have you for this podcast, you've got one of two ways we all fire those in. First one is my Twitter slash X timeline at GNNRS41. Keep in mind, letters M. Maybe does not matter, so as per usual, please do send these into the timeline. Other ways, find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you are able to fire in whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five-star review. Big thanks to Blake Lovell over at Southeastern 14 for joining me in the last segment. I'm coming at you guys every single day on this podcast, regular season, off-season. While we're in the off-season, we're getting you guys set for the upcoming season with these conference previews and looking at the news and notes of college basketball. Then once we get in-season, picks and analysis on every single game, every single day. So I appreciate you joining me today, and I'll be back with you once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. With the new Dexcom G7, you can achieve better diabetes results without painful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or watch so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affects your glucose, making it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take more control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility.